Good day, and welcome to this edition of Big Ideas in Supply Chain. My name is Anne Robinson, and I'm the Chief Strategy Officer at Canaxis. Today, I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Angel Mendez, a supply chain innovator that many of you will recognize that name. And our guest today is Lynn Terrell, the Chief Supply Chain and Procurement Officer for Flex. Angel, today it's a really important conversation as we're looking at this evolution of supply chain and everything that's happened over the last few years and and really talking about um, markets, particularly the semiconductor market. Today's guest really brings a very important conversation to the table. Absolutely. And hello, Lynn. Welcome to Big Ideas in Supply Chain. Um, we're thrilled at Access to have you. Uh, and I know our audience will get quite a bit out of our conversation today. Um, you know, we've been wanting to feature uh, great leaders, uh, folks who, who have the chief in their title and, and have uh, incredible experiences to share with the audience. And, and you're certainly at the top of our list. So thanks again for joining. Um, I want to start off by um, just asking you to introduce yourself a little bit and tell the audience a little bit about you know, your background and, and, uh, and what you've been able to do in your career to get to this role that's so important for the industry. Well, thank you, Angel and Anne, and it's a pleasure to be with you today. So as you said, I'm Chief Procurement and Supply Chain Officer at Flex. I joined Flex in October of 2019 after spending over 20 years at Avnet, a global electronics distributor, where I had numerous roles at Avnet, customer-facing, supplier-facing, managing the supply chain. My last role at Avnet was president of Avnet United and Velocity, which was a global business unit that looked after the Tier 1 EMS and OEM customers, our supplier strategies, and our innovative supply chain programs. So I had the benefit of being a supplier to Flex prior to joining the Flex organization. And when I joined him uh, again, October of 2019, I thought my biggest challenge at the time would be really going into the manufacturing side of uh, the equation of the electronics ecosystem. Uh, obviously things changed a few months later when COVID hit, but to tell you first a little bit about my role, I have responsibility for our direct and indirect procurement freight and logistics, inventory management, our strategic supply chain solutions development, and our supply chain programs with our customers. So that's really the end-to-end -end supply chain program for Flex. It's about a $24 billion spend. We have about 9,000 employees in global procurement and supply chain across Flex globally supporting our customers. And we have about a thousand customers whose unique supply chains we manage. And so, you know, Flex, obviously uh, one of the most complex and sophisticated global supply chains in the world. So I was real, I was thrilled to join the company and then bring that expertise and knowledge I had through the distribution market and calling on the EMS customers and the tier one OEMs and bringing that skill set to the Flex organization. So, Lynn, what is the state of this post-COVID, ever-disruptive world? What is the state of contract manufacturing these days? Well, I'll say that it's never boring. Uh, we still have numerous challenges we're addressing every day. And it's a bit complex. I would say there's two aspects right now affecting our supply chain. The first is what I would consider more the tactical issues when it comes to tariffs or logistics disruptions 
or you know we're still experiencing a number of shortages uh, from kind of the larger geometry nodes that are impacting a lot of our, our customers and especially you know when you look at like e our automotive industry with the growth in EV and autonomous as well as other mega trends and then of course we're seeing some excess inventory in some of our other segments as a result of the changing market conditions. And I would say if you look at the the second aspect that we're seeing in you know supply chain right now, it's a more increased focus on driving resiliency into a supply chain. And and you also hear a lot about regionalization. And we're actually starting to see more traction in that area. There's a cost when you're driving a resilient supply chain. Uh, in you, I kind of look at it a little bit like it's an insurance cost. You never hope you never have to use it, but there is a cost associated with having it. And so we want to really work closely with our customers to understand what their goals are for their business and how you can how we can work together to drive more resiliency into their supply chain. That starts with, you know, the bill of materials, where you're looking at where you might have uh, challenges because you have a unique technology or a sole source device coming from a geography that has, you know, potentially challenges, as well as what the manufacturing strategy should be. You know, is it uh, smart for a particular industry to have a, a single manufacturing strategy to take care to take advantage of global scale and scope? and the cost associated with that and transport their end products around the world? Or does a more regionalized strategy make sense? In which case then you're reducing logistics disruptions and getting closer to your end customers. So we're, we work closely with our customers to understand what those challenges can be. We've got some unique tools available to us that we use to help our customers make those decisions. And of course at Flex, we have the benefit of the global scale and scope and, and our footprint that helps us be able to support those uh, decisions when they're made. Lynn, we're going to go look forward here in a moment. Uh, you know, you mentioned the word megatrend, so I'm, I'm going to be really curious to hear you talk a little bit about what you see uh, by way of innovation. But let's take a step back and look at the last couple of years. Um, you joined at the end of 2019, uh, a few months later, the most significant widest, most global, deepest supply chain crisis uh, of record uh, arrives at our doorstep. Um, and, and two years go by, I'm sure you have learned a ton. Uh, I am super curious, um, how are you different as a leader having had that experience? How is your team different? Uh, and how is Flex different as a supplier and partner to the industry? Can you spend a little time reflecting for us on your key lessons and, and what what has come from all of that for you? Yeah, it's very interesting experience. And, and thinking back on it, you realize where you learned the most and where you had the most impact. But for the majority of my career, I was traveling extensively, you know, going to facilities around the world, meeting with customers, meeting with suppliers. And all of a sudden, everything came to a halt, you know, from one week to the next. And what you know we were very fortunate because of the technologies available to us to immediately go into a remote meeting environment and working with the teams one of the things we did uh, myself and my leadership team as well as some of our extended leaders 
when COVID first hit, uh, and we started this actually in January 27th of 2020, we started daily calls with our extended leadership team. And I like to point out it was 5.30 in the morning, my time. And I was not a morning person at the time. I've since kind of transitioned to one. But we'd have a call with our extended teams and, and we would say, okay, what are you hearing from the media? What are you hearing from local governments? What are you hearing from customers and suppliers and, and seeing as this is, you know, moving forward and COVID was, you know, moving across the world because it's flex. Our facilities shut down and reopened, you know, and, and we brought in PPE and changed the, the, the way in which we manufactured to enable social distancing. But our suppliers were doing having the same as were our customer. So we were like generating these ideas during these daily calls to be able to understand how we can manage our supply chain with less information. And being relatively new to Flex, I wanted to make sure I was not thinking like I would have as a distributor, but understanding some of the potential consequences. So we, uh, I wanted to make sure everybody on the team was heard because, you know, there was a, this wasn't a math formula to solve. It was, you know, making the best decisions we could under those circumstances. So we actually formed, uh, we created a, a meeting top agenda for the meeting, which was discuss, debate, decide. Because we said early, we did not want to spend too much time admiring the problem. We needed to make decisions that we could execute on for the next 24 hours. And we could have our 9,000 supply chain specialists know what actions to take for the next 24 hours. Oh, and by the way, if we learned something new and, and needed to adjust course, we would do so the next day. And I think that was a, a huge learning. And it, for, the, for our organization, we kind of really changed to make sure we're very decisive in our decision making. We want to empower our teams to, to make those decisions because it has been, you know, so many changes over the past three years. And I think that was a, a really good learning how we could transition very effectively into the remote environment. A second point, when you say, how did I change? Um, hum I, I certainly was humbled uh, by the entire organization and how hard people worked and how we were working together to make those decisions. I also was uh, concerned, especially, you know, throughout the majority of, you know, 2020, just about what everybody on my team was going through personally and professionally as we were dealing with such an impactful event. And Flex being, you know, a critical manufacturer, we needed to keep our, you know, our lines moving. But we also had to take care of our families and our children and our pets and our parents. Um, so we we started a, a weekly happy hour as well with my team. And it was once a week, we did it, you know, for many months. And it was kind of a, a check-in. How is everybody doing? What challenges are we having? Um, and I, I'd say, I think we all got closer and it was more personalized because it was such a regular meeting as opposed to, you know, a quarterly QBR where we get together and have dinner. And so I think as a team, we, we came together and really supported each other, both on the personal and the professional basis. So huge takeaways there, right? You talk about uh, empathy, you talk about humility, you talk also about agility, really the ability to get teams collaborating faster. 
Uh, and, and my supposition is you're going to carry those on, even though a lot of the COVID effects are beginning to, to attenuate. Uh, my sense that would be that you're probably going to have to use those muscles every day because supply chains never stop. And neither those, neither the risks, right? Now, those disruptions um, that you spoke about, not all of those disruptions have dissipated. And one of the, you know, the luxuries of being in the position of seeing multiple different supply chains, similar to yourself, is that we do see that these disruptions are are continuing in certain industries or with certain types. Oh, I, my understanding is in some circumstances, we're seeing a supplier base that's still operating as they did during COVID, but a customer expectation that is now sort of that mentality is shifted to a post-COVID world. And there's really a mismatch between supply and demand. Are you experiencing those kinds of things? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're, we're still having uh, those challenges. And I think, you know, part of what we view is the difference between, you know, what we, many of us grew up doing, where our, our supply chains were built on low cost inefficiencies, and they worked very well under ideal market conditions. And so that was the, the manner that so many people went to market. Now you're having, you know, again, customers wanting a more resilient supply chain, in some cases being hesitant about the additional cost. But you also look at this proliferation of electronic content into uh, or companies and products that, that didn't have it before. You know, for example, you, you have a mattress company, a sole single source product company, yet their technology has advanced with the mattresses where they can't sell a single mattress without all of the electronics around it. And so you you also have professionals who grew up in different industries who are who didn't necessarily experience previous semiconductor cycles where investments made today create output 18 months from now. So that difference in um, the ability to forecast demand and the fact that our, you know, the OEMs still want to operate with, you know, a lot of flexibility, low to lead time, competitive pricing, but suppliers are recognizing because of the disruptions that took place, they need longer visibility. They need, you know, the the investments to make sure that they come through, you know, 18 months after they they make an investment in in more capacity, that that meets meets the demand, and that's one of the. The biggest challenges I think we face in the electronics industry is that ability to forecast demand accurately and provide information both upstream and downstream about what constraints could happen in the future based on the technology changes taking place. So, so Lynn, playing on that theme even some more, many of our listeners are in fact very concerned about geopolitical risks as they might affect the semiconductor industry they're concerned about the shifts that are going on in, in geography in order to get risk built into a risk mitigation built into the semiconductor supply chain. Uh, your, your point about the cycle taking time for capacity to come online and alleviate some of the real constraints, particularly the higher levels of technology within the spectrum of semiconductors. Um, from your experience coming into this conversation with all those years of of understanding the dynamic of semiconductors in particular, electronics in general, uh, what do we do about that? When you say we need to plan better, what kinds of things come to mind uh, that our supply chain audience could think about in order to deal with, with that challenge? 
Well, it's it's really interesting question. Uh, I want to say about 18 months ago, I was sitting on a Friday afternoon in my office thinking about all of the challenges we were facing, that they were very similar to the challenges and the responses that we had faced before when encountering you know, a disruption in supply and demand and moving into a shortage market. And typically, you know, it, it, we, we've seen it, right? Demand outstrips supply. Investments are made to increase capacity. But while we're dealing with shortages, there's some over-ordering going on. There's some, you know, companies who are trying to hedge their bets, working with more than one supplier or more than one EMS, trying to get their product. Um, and then investments are made when the when the, the capacity comes available and parts are more free, then we see the forecast decrease a little bit and we deal with excess for, you know, three or four quarters. And, you know, at Flex, we are so data rich. Uh, we're very fortunate in our digitalized supply chain that allows us such great visibility. And I was thinking at the time how we weren't using our data any differently than how we had historically done so. And I had an idea, and it's in its simplest form, is why wouldn't we look at using an independent third party who could look at information such as industry reports on growth targets or macro in, you know, macroeconomic impacts to be able to rationalize the supply chain to provide better information both upstream and downstream. So People can make better design OEMs can make better design decisions, knowing what potentially might be impactful in the in the future. Semiconductor and IPE suppliers can make better investments decisions, knowing what their their true demand is. So I had this idea, and uh, and in, in one of the things, you know, all of our data is a manufacturer part number connected to an OEM part number that we know what that is going into. So the, the elements are there. So I had an idea and I thought it was a really good idea. So I spent a week in talking to my husband about it and uh, getting really excited. And he's a former hockey player. So after a few days, he said, maybe you should talk to someone else that could help you with this idea. Um, so I called uh, Yossi Sheffi from MIT, who's a friend of mine, and I talked to him about the concept. And after uh, a few meetings we had, he said, you know, Lynn, the the technology is there. There is the artificial intelligence and machine learning and security protocols to enable that type of solution. Uh, you know, the security, everything. The challenges uh, would be to getting people to participate in a coopetition type of environment or, or more collaborative, let's say it that way. And I said, well, I know a lot of people. So I spent, um, you know, about six, eight months talking to different constituents that I know at OEMs, EMS, distributors and suppliers, both semiconductor and IPE. And we we pulled together a group and to just kind of talk about different ways in which we could manage this. And what I found very interesting when we all got together is there was just a strong agreement that the historical ways in which we were forecasting demand did not work in today's environment. And we needed to do something different. In fact, as supply chain professionals living through such a disruptive environment that have implications around the world, there's almost an obligation to 
you know, work together to try and come up with new and innovative ideas. So we had a few meetings and actually just, uh, just last week, we uh, incorporated the True Demand Coalition, as we're calling it, and we are going to start working on a proof of concept to be able to analyze data and see what different kind of results that it would provide. And ideally, once we get a work product defined, we'll roll it out to more companies. Right now, we've got 25 member companies participating with the idea that it will provide better information. And the intent would be you know, a second source of data for suppliers, for EMS, for distributors, for OEMs. The, the original data would continue to transact, so you get the raw data, but then you'd get a rationalized information through true demand and then be able to make uh, more informed decisions by having, you know, a greater source of data. So I'm, I'm pretty excited that we've been able to get to this point in this initiative, and hopefully it'll be a way in which we can bring leaders across the industry together to share that collective genius to come up with better ways to forecast demand and hopefully mitigate future supply chain disruptions. Well, that's a big idea, uh, which is the whole, the whole point of this conversation. Congratulations on the progress thus far. You're touching on something that's very near and dear to my personal heart in terms of the value of contextualized data and community data uh, that you can then apply uh, analytics and AI on top of to really bring real insights. And if we could find a way to share, to your point, in a collaborative way, a non-competing way, of course, but in a collaborative way, um, we're all going to be a lot smarter, and hopefully we can mitigate those big peaks and valleys that are so disruptive. Uh, and, and in many ways, as you put it, predictable, right? These things have happened uh, for as long as the we've all been in the electronics business for all the time. You see these every four or five years. Um, and then when you have a big disruption, of course, COVID a bit of a black swan event, um, even more amplified. So, so thank you for your leadership there. Um, and should we uh, ask uh, our, our favorite question of lit, I'll let you do that as we come to the tail end of our discussion. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is fantastic. And, and I agree with Angel, you know, the contribution of, of a, a global perspective and that being a really leading indicator to the success of the global electronics industry is really an important key moving forward. Well, there's one question we like to ask of everyone as we're coming to an end, and I certainly hope your communication lead there prepped you for this question. Um, if you were the chief supply chain officer of the world, and I know that's a lofty vision, what would be your first priority for transforming the world supply chain? I would have to say true demand because I get so excited about the potential application for that um, because we're trying to solve it for the electronics industry which is, you know, a very complex industry. But the principles that we're, we're looking at could be applied to any industry, if energy industry, food industry, lumber industry, and the ability to try and match supply and demand and be able to manage complex supply chains more effectively would just have such a positive impact on the world. So my, uh, my if I could in charge of everything i'd say we want everybody to participate we want people to come together we we got this started 
and I'm super excited about what we're hopefully will be achieving in the next six to 12 months. But that would absolutely be my answer that everybody starts thinking about how we can work together to better forecast demand because it'll just make better decisions for investment in the future that would smooth it out. So that's my answer. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us today, Lynn. And Angel, thank you once again for being a stellar co-host. And that's a wrap on this episode of Big Ideas in Supply Chain. 